I'm John Graft, and I love Chicago real estate. Between showings, I stop in my favorite places, talk with local business owners, and bring their story to you. This is my Chicago. So how did two Lebanese brothers start a Cuban place? So my brother's an actor, and what he did was uh, he wanted to find a way to get back into acting. So he worked at restaurants, waiting tables, and, uh, and he'd always hang out in the kitchen. And he would ask the chefs, what are you doing? You know, they're, they're like, hey, you know, I'm mixing this with this. Here, try it. And they taught him combination. He's, he, my brother's a cook. He's the menu. He developed the whole menu. Okay. But he's not a chef. So, but he knew combinations. He knew if he put this and this together, that it should be okay. And what do you think of cook and chef? What's the differentiation? When we think of a chef, we think of a guy like cuts really fast. And like he does crazy stuff. He's like crazy. Like my brother's fast in the kitchen. But you think of naturally knowing this stuff. Like my brother ta he taught himself. Okay, taught himself how to cook, taught himself how to cut. Uh, and then just learning combinations. You look at something and say, okay, how can I make it better? How can I make it better? So yeah, you know, he, he managed he managed a full hall and um, there was a little little restaurant there. He did like bar food, stuff like that. And he started experimenting. And then he got out of that. He started waiting tables again. He started learning combinations even more. He went down to Miami and he loved it. Yeah. He loved the Cuban sandwich. He loved, he loved the fact that there was like a, a CEO of a company and a student, they were sitting at the same table and they were having a coffee together. Whereas sometimes you see like the, uh, the politics, you know, only the, the doctors, just the doctor doesn't that, but you see this and it's like, you know, it was, it was nice seeing two people who were very different, different points in their life. Somebody was like, you know, learning some person who's already there. And uh, they were just enjoying something simple together. And he wanted to bring something that brought people together in Chicago. So what he did is, Open in Congress, Congress of Wabash. It's it's adjacent to the uh, the hostel, the youth family hostel. Okay. And what he did was, uh, yeah, he opened up. He developed the menus. It'd be nice to have like a some sandwiches, some salads, desserts, some coffee, and open it up. So yeah, he opened it up, and he's like, he always loved the Cuban sandwich. It was like one of his favorite sandwiches. So he's like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the Cuban sandwich. And that's what he did. He opened it up, and then he ended up getting Chicago's best Cuban. And that's just kind of like that's the pride that's the reason why he opened the place to begin with. The whole idea is he wanted to find a way to get into acting. He wanted to find a way to pursue it while having something that takes care of his family. So he opened it up and he, he worked crazy hours and then um, he ended up opening up the second one. You know, it was a great following. He went out, he was, you know, he went out and he was always very personable. Like you're sitting down and come up, we'll talk with you. And then maybe he might buy you like a dessert or do something nice for you. People aren't used to being spoiled for no reason. Like, what's this guy doing? He just bought my food. He just bought my coffee. Like, I don't even know this guy. Yeah. So they're going out and they're telling their friends, you got to come try this guy's food. He's a nice guy. So they came in and they liked it. And then they liked it. And then they liked it. Before you know it, people are telling their friends and like word of mouth, you know? But that's a whole idea. It's, it's grace. It's doing something and expecting nothing in return. You just want to be good. And I feel like it goes a long way because there's people who do stuff for other people. Like, hey, I did this for you. You owe me. Nothing like that. Literally, just give it away. Just just be nice and hopefully something good might come out of it one day. And if it doesn't, it's okay. But at least you know that you always were good. It's it's interesting because like you said, the price point, what does it cater? Does it cater white collar, blue collar? Caters everybody, you know? I think the food caters that yeah. one. So to what you were just saying, one of my favorite quotes is, they may not remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made it feel. Yeah. And that totally rings true with that. You know, to me, your brother is the guy who was smoking cigars on Wells Street. He had a classic car parked right out there, right? It was always funny to me because I'd see your brother in like random places. I'm like, 
It's a cappuccino guy, right? What kind of car is that? It's a 64 Buick Skylark. Okay. And it's like, it's like a bluish green. Yeah, it's like sky blue. Yeah, sky blue. Yeah. It's like the My Cousin Vinny. It's a car that they drove in at. Is it? Yeah, but okay. it's like a sky blue version. So exactly like the same thing. So he moves up to Calabasas. Did you do that to get closer to active? So he did it out there because his kids always wanted to live in California. And like the schools, his kids were in private downtown. Man, you just want to move out there. He's saving money on schooling. Nice weather year round. He always wanted to be by Coastal. That was always his dream. And obviously there's more opportunities for acting in California. He did get some gigs out here, uh, but there's definitely a lot more opportunity for acting. But he's getting himself back into it. You know, and that's the whole idea is doing multiple things that you love to do in life. Totally. And it's like, you're never too young or too old to start doing whatever you love. I think very few people find those opportunities. They want to do different things. They have a passion to do that they don't follow or they follow their passion. It doesn't bring them where they want to be. Exactly. And he's smart to take care of his money up front, have that working for him and then pursue his dreams as well. If you do that right, I think you can put the money in front, but then it'll take a, a side seat. But the side seat isn't about, it's about your focus, but you have it running. It's a machine then, right? You put the right people in place. You can get it running. He has you to help, right? And you guys are partners. And then he's there to pursue his dreams. And that's it. You know, it's like, you, you got to know, get it into it that when, when you have your own business, you work every day. Every day is Friday, but also every day is Monday. <laughs> yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. Like uh, it. But it's, it's yours. It's brick by brick. It's hard work. It's not easy. There's always stuff to do. There's always things to fix. There's always, you know, you deal with sometimes with staffing. Staffing was a big problem throughout COVID as well because nobody wanted to work. So we were. We were working like every day, all day long, but it's like, we don't complain about it because it's something that we built, you know, and the customers would come in, they would see that we'd be short staff and they would understand because it was hard. We'd interview people would say, can't wait to work. I need the money that they wouldn't show up the next day. And like, oh my gosh, like you're being pulled. But the issue is, is we have four locations and how are you going to do it? How are we going to, we got two of us. How are we going to be <laughs> yeah. in four places? So we had to juggle something. We had to do something. It was very interesting. It really opens your eyes, especially through COVID, of just how things can be, you know? And it's like, you're appreciative. Like, you're good staff, good people. That's that's old. It's hard because, and it's, you know, in the line of in line of business, sometimes you have, like, a lot of turnover when it comes into hospitality. But knock on wood, we've had people have been with us since day one. That's great. Because we're good to them. We're, we're not better than them. And I always tell people when I interview, when I interview them, I'm like, you know, I want you to know that I'm not better than you. I put my hands on the same way that you do. I'm never going to be like, sit down. Hey, you do this, you do this, you do this. I'm, I'm here to help. Because you're not, you look at it as a, as a leader, not just you know, as a boss. And I feel like it, it, you know, it works. You know, it speaks, speaks heavy. In every business, I think it's important to be the leader and not necessarily the boss. They're two different things. The boss is kind of the guy everyone looks at, no one likes. And they're, they're wondering why he's making those things. And like, he's not showing up. He's not, he's not leading in the way. And it's hard to get people to follow if you're not leading. Being the boss is two different things. Absolutely. You guys opened up this location during the pandemic. What was that like? So we opened this up prior to the pandemic. Prior? Okay. Yeah, and it was interesting because how, how far before? In 2000, 2018? It's, has it been here that long? I totally thought that was sooner. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And so what is it like? Actually, January, January of 2019. January of 2019. Yeah. Okay, so like a year before. Yeah. Yeah, January 2019. So it was interesting. It wasn't bad. Like you said, it, it's an apartment building. People are trying to get to know us. 
learning about the booth. It was good. It was slow progression, you know. Uh, yeah, but then that happened, and then COVID hit. And then that's when I get back into it, like the platforms, like the DoorDash, the Uber, uh, Postmates, all that stuff. If you have that as a business, it would bit screw. Yeah, because everyone has their go-to. I'm like, I'm a grandpa person. I'm a DoorDash person. You have to be on every single one. You have to because they all compete with one another. Yes. Um, but it was interesting because everyone was working from home rather than people going downtown to work and ordering our food there. Now they're in the neighborhoods. Now they order the same food. Like, hey, there's a cafeteria there. I didn't know that one that was here. So people are, people are learning about everything. I'm local realtor, John Graft. Check out our YouTube channel, Graft Real Estate, for the largest collection of curated properties here in Chicago. Whenever you're ready to buy or sell, drop a line, let's talk. Thank you for watching, and I hope you enjoy this theory. It's one o'clock on a Thursday. There's a good amount of people in here right now. People hanging out at the bars, people eating lunch and stuff. What, what are your ebbs and flows in terms of time frames? They're, it's, it's interesting because everybody, everybody, when you work from home, people take lunches at different times. Yeah. So it's interesting. Sometimes it might be full at a certain time and then dead at another time. It's very, it's unpredictable. But for sure, like on the weekends, brunch is always busy. But when everybody has a different schedule, they're working from home, people take lunches at different times. I know a lot of people wouldn't think of this as a breakfast place. I didn't know about it when I came up. So you guys offer breakfast every day? Breakfast every day, every single day. I do brunch, like brunch daily. Okay. Uh, from 8 to 11, and then on the weekends from 8 to 2. 8 to 2. But what do you do that's different? What's, what's a Cuban breakfast look like? I mean, we do, I mean, we have like, we have like cafe con leche pancakes. We have like, but it's like just pancakes. We do different, different um, assortments of different salad pancakes. Those ones are very popular. We do, um, you know, different breakfast plates. We do breakfast omelets. We do like our omelets with our lechon with our roasted pork in it, which is really good. It's really um, we do like a pan de Havana, which is like our take on an avocado toast. We do balsamic glaze, fried egg. We do fresh mango. We do avocado. It's very, very good. It well. sounds real. And everything is fresh. Everything is fresh and it's made to order. We have like a hundred items on our on our menu, believe it or not. With a brunch, yeah, it's interesting. It's a lot of different combinations of things that you can do. But there's there's something for everyone. We we have something for vegans. We have something, you know, vegan, vegetarian, free. We have every option. And that was our biggest thing through uh, too, uh, throughout the pandemic, having something that caters to everybody. We make it so you can have good flavor and good selection with, and with anything that you want to eat. I'm going out to, uh, you know what Kokoro is? Kokoro, it's on wells. It's like 600 wells. I'm going with someone, I'm going with another couple tonight. And the husband, I was like, where, where do you want to go? He was like, sushi. It's like, great. This place has sushi. It has hot pot. It's like... Chinese, Japanese, Korean, all in one spot. Okay. Really sell. But then I just learned his wife's vegan. I'm like, what are we going to, like Asians are real big on the vegan food. There's, there's things clearly, there's a lot on the menu. How do you come up with those different items? Do you, are you thinking about that with emphasis and making sure that you have offerings for everyone? Absolutely. Absolutely. Then it just gets to like, okay, combinations, what are we going to do? Like you have like, you know, the Beyond Meat, you have the Beyond Sausage, they have the Just Egg. Uh, what's a Just Egg? Just Egg is just a vegan egg. Vegan egg. What's it made of? It's. I think it's gonna be a garbanzo tapioca. There's just different beans okay. on how they do it, but it's better. tapioca probably thickens it. Yeah, it's interesting what how how far things have come once humped everything. But also we have like you know our rice and beans are vegan, our black bean soups vegan. We have our our hardine sandwiches, our egg kind sandwich. Uh, if you remove the cheese, it's vegan. It's got a jalapeno hummus, it's got arugula, roasted peppers, roasted eggplant. It's very good as well. But yeah, breakfast wise. They do a lot of cool stuff. They're, it's a totally different market because a lot of people are going the plant-based route. 
Yeah. When you're thinking of these locations, how do you decide? You literally go there and you just walk around and you see what traffic's like. You go there during the day, during the evening, during the night, um, and just see what it's like. I feel like that's the biggest thing, and it's like it's totally. We did. That's how we were with with Chestnut. We just kind of. Well, my brother lived behind Chestnut, so he knew what the traffic was like. But it's just really an idea of potential. How busy is it? That's that's the biggest thing. And you look at you look at that, and you look at okay, what's like this? What's close by? Where's there to eat? Obviously, here, like you said, on Clark Street, there's a whole bunch of restaurants side by side, door next door, next door, next door, next door. But here, there's really not a lot of food options. If you're when you're walking East Sun Park, we're really like, especially if you're coming from moves, you know, because if you're coming from these, this is gonna be your only spot. That's it. That's it. We're the we're the first restaurant when you're walking from the lake. Yeah. And I never thought about it that way. It was we that's that wasn't our plan. It just seemed I'm gonna work out that way. Do you find so you've been in the heart of the loop? You've been in these more residential neighborhoods. The pandemic throws things off a little bit. But is there one location that you prefer over the other? Oh, man, they're all special in their own ways. You know, you have uh, the South Loop, the one on Congress at Wabash. It's the students. Yeah. You see all the college students, people coming in, musicians, people coming in. And then you go, like, to Wells and Madison, and you see the financial district. And then you go to Chessa, and it's, like, the tourism. And then you have all the, the shops in Michigan Avenue. And then you have, you even have residential as well. But here it's, it's dominantly residential. They're so different. You know, I feel like people who come in here live in Chicago. Well, you go to Chestnut, and you might see people that are constantly traveling from different parts of the world or different parts of the country. You also you'll see like a lot of regulars in residential, but here so it's it's extremely residential. Like you feel like most of the people, I'd say ninety percent of the people who walk in here live in Chicago. Like during the summer, you're gonna see people like licking hard, checking out and coming in here. You're gonna see, you know, um, you'll see that. But for, for the most part, it's just, they're all very different. I feel like Lincoln Park is extremely residential when compared to the other three. The platform business seems like a double-edged sword for me. You're you're paying a higher commission to get that business. There's Cairo captive, right? Well, it's different. Some of them cap it at like 18, some 15. I, I mean, if you want to use their drivers, when you use their drivers, there's a different algorithm. And I feel like they give you that incentive. Look, if you pay a little bit more, you're going to be in the mix. Because when I was using my own guys, I wasn't getting a lot of orders, but when I transitioned to their drivers, it like shot up. Interesting. And it's interesting. Uh, but the thing is, is like, these are people who live miles away from here. Yeah. Who probably wouldn't come up here because parking, that's the biggest thing too. Parking's that easy in this area as well. I wasn't going to drive here today. And I decided to drive. I did find a spot, but yeah, that's the reason. Like really parking's very difficult with chess and I have valet across the street. There's street parking, but here that's probably the biggest thing is and that's more of a walking neighborhood too. Yeah. As opposed to here. It's a walking neighborhood, but most people have cars here. Exactly. Um, but yeah, the platforms, I mean, how do you feel giving that percentage away? I mean, it's it's better than, my whole thing is let's, let's say that my guys are, and it's not busy, and I might take a little cut, but at least I'm getting orders out, you know, rather than have to stand around and waiting for orders, at least there's always stuff to keep them occupied. You're still going to make money, you're just not going to make as much. Yeah. Right now, business-wise, percentage-wise, what's more... In terms of people walking in, platforms, like what are the percentages? So, man, I'd say platforms are probably like 30 to 30% of your business. That's what I'd expect. Well, people are doing pickup orders too. Keep in mind, rather people standing in a large line, yeah. just doing it. So I'd say maybe 40%. People use apps like Ritual where they collect points and things build up. Because people want to say, if I can skip the line, they're going to place their order in advance. They're going to come in, especially if they're on a time crunch. They're going to just come in and skip the line. For the most part, they started doing some delivery, but it's all pickup. Okay. Uh, it's throughout all of downtown. 
all of Chicago is having it. It's really done good because how it works is if you come into a restaurant and you sign up for ritual through the restaurant, you order, they don't charge us a fee. Okay. Now, if you use the ritual app and you place the order, they'll charge us like 12% versus like 20% for the other ones. Is that as well plus the credit card fee? So yeah. they charge again. Yep. Okay. So my whole thing is they're actually the cheapest option. Yeah. If you go to our website and you order, that's ritual. And it charges us nothing. So your website goes through. It passes through. It passes through ritual. Ritual, if you're doing a pickup oh. order. So it's a great incentive for you. Yeah, it's a great incentive because it doesn't it doesn't charge us a fee. Literally, if you go online to our website, it's like you walking in and you ordering from our register. It's the same exact thing. What are the other programs that you do for advertising? How do you how do, how do people find this outside of normal Facebook? So we do, I mean, we do like Facebook, we do Instagram, Patsy doing posts. But that's it. I mean, we're going around. We tell people about it. We have we have little uh, table tents that tell people to sign up for our social media, advertisements like that. I haven't really we haven't really reached out to a company to. Do. Yeah, we just have been doing everything on our own. Yeah, you it's know, been organic and it's worked. Yeah, right? yeah. Like when we first opened Chestnut, when we weren't busy, I would just I tell my staff, hey, I'm gonna go out to all these businesses, all these stores. And I'm going to have pictures of our, of our food because when all these stores open up, all these staff, they're on their phone looking down because they're not busy. So I'd walk in at that time and say, hey, this is what our food looks like. Give them a menu. This started costs. Come check us out. I feel like, wow, I had no idea it was there. So they would come and they would try like, wow, this is awesome. And they would come in again. This my whole thing is trying to reach somebody new every day. Even if I hit a bunch of people, even if a few came in, I, I knew that it was working. At least put the idea in their head that, hey, I heard about this place. It was this guy. And he was walking around, he was talking about it. I went to the concierge, you know, uh, all the nearby hotels. I was walking around all day long just trying to bring people in, giving them discount to come in and try it. Buying them their coffees, our seniors could use something nice for them. And like I said, our food is, it's inexpensive. Yeah. You know? How do you figure out your price? Sir? You know, you just, well, you look at your costs. And the whole thing is we work, we work on volume. I don't, you know, it's one thing if like, and that, that's, that's what kept us really above water because think about it, during COVID, let's say when we had a steakhouse and you're charging like $100 a plate. People aren't going to go and pick up a $100 steak from that place. They're going to go like to, to, you know, Whole Foods or Mariano's. As opposed to Cuban, I feel like you guys have a niche because in this neighborhood, do you have any competition? None. I mean, there's, I think there's a place in like Lakeview that is Cuban. Is it still open? I, know, I have no idea. I don't think so. I knew there was a place, and I think it was on Broadway, and I think it was like, I forget where it was. Broadway in the, the surf-ish area? Broadway and surf. Yeah. I don't know if it survived. Or more like Broadway and Ryer, I think, maybe. Okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah. But it's like having something unique. Our stuff's fresh. Like, the stuff that you go out to these these restaurants that are expensive. We're buying the same products that they are. We're going to the same place. We're using the same vendors. It's the truth. And I see these people who own these restaurants. I see them in Restaurant Depot. I see them. They're buying this stuff. I'm buying the same stuff. A lot of people discharge money. They're just charging more for it. And, you're, and, and for the real estate, right? Like, if your real estate isn't cheap, but there's a lot of places where I'm like, I don't want to go there. Like, I know I'm paying 20% more, 30% more just to be on this street, this neighborhood. So, I mean, it's, they want us to be here. Yeah. And it, I'm, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's not cheap. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a good opportunity, and there's a thing too. Like uh, there's a lot of people who live in this building, and there's people who just don't want to eat in their building. Like they're like, hey, I live in this building <laughs> because they feel like they're not away from it. Yeah, they want they're not get out. They want to get out. Like, but at least it's here. If they want a coffee, if they want a breakfast sandwich, if they want a a plate, a salad, they have that option too. You know. Um, yeah, but it's but it's interesting. 
doing this for the first time, everyone thinks of a restaurant and they think of like failing because you see so many fail and people talk about the local business most likely to fail. It's often restaurant. Your phone rings so often and it's great. How do you, were you worried? Were you thinking about that? Going in? I mean, it's always, listen, it's, it's, there's always a hypothetical. What if this has a word, this has a word. You got to just figure it out. You know, and in life, there's, in life, there's nothing that can get thrown at you that you can't handle. You got to figure out how to handle it. There's a solution to everything. There's just a way around it. Okay, if this didn't work, what can we do now? How can we do it different? I feel like quitting is not an option. Mm -hmm. When when stuff is difficult, you're going to have good times and you're going to have bad times in anything that you do. But it's just being consistent with it. Okay, if something doesn't work, what can we do? Can I go out? Can I market it? Can I meet somebody? Can you do... Can you do something different? That's the whole thing. If something's not working out, you got to change it and figure out a different approach. Every business has certain months where things are sold, like January, February, you know? It's right after the holidays, this and that. What do you do? You got to just pay attention to your costs. You got to pay attention to your payroll. And usually the, the time passes, things go by. So you had the original locations because they were in the loop. Is that Was that kind of the thought process? Yeah, so my brother, when he started Congress 2008, it's like, you know, he wants to venture out and get like a smaller location on Wall Street. And, you know, at one point, it was the only one. All of the restaurants next to it, they all closed down. Okay. Then we have this theory where if you put something next to an Arby's, it'll do well. Because no one's going to Arby's, but they're going, no, it's just kind of funny. It's like free advertising. But when you see, like, something open across the street, okay, we see, like, something, hey, it's open at Starbucks across the street or McDonald's across the street. Perfect. They're going to see us across the street when they order the food. Maybe like, they wonder, what is this place? Yeah. I think it's always good to be next to an anchor store or a place that is doing well, it's prospering. Because then you have an option. Yeah. Right. They went to that place. Well, maybe there's two people. Maybe there's three. Maybe they want to go here instead. Yeah. How was the chestnut location decided? It was a place called Meat. Got to be poor. And my brother would walk past it and wouldn't, wouldn't be too busy. It was a different, different concept. That one actually wasn't for sale. He walked in and he asked if it was for sale. We ended up buying it out and we ended up doing demolition and, and restructuring, redesigning everything. Do you get bank financing to open these up? No. 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 So you guys bring it all bootstrap it up yeah i mean we we use other businesses to to finance it okay the other locations or other yeah we did capital contributions yeah so we did that yeah we put our money together we didn't have to go through banks if we needed to we could okay but we chose not to go that route if we had the funds because most of the, the thing with those locations is they were already restaurants so if we wanted little things to do here and there we had the money to do it we can we could use from the other restaurants was a lot of the infrastructure already in place. Yeah. So what's that like going into someone else's space? And you're like, like Wells, for example. Yeah. It was an entire, he built the whole thing out, okay. built the restaurant out, the uh, black iron, everything. So none of that stuff was there. So he played the complete demolition, then did the electric, did the plumbing, he did everything in there. Where a place like this, this is already, there's already a kitchen here when we got here. This, most of the stuff was already here. And that's a lot easier to get totally, get the ball rolling. Same thing with Chestnut. Do you ever have the inclination to look at a space and say, I want to change it just because like, I don't want the old look or old feel of it? And you can bring your own feel in. But sometimes you walk into a place you're like this, the same place, just different food. Yeah. It's it's interesting to get that idea. You know, I'd like I, our whole thing is to have something that's like a freestanding structure. We can just buy the building because you have a lot more things that you can do that you don't need permission for. Maybe you can't do certain stuff because people live above you and like you can't be too loud or this and that, or maybe there's stuff that you want to try out and do. We know we, we all no, we've looked at stuff too, to see if it can be kind of cool to go to this place, make it our own. If we ever have the opportunity. 
Are there any neighborhoods in Chicago that you're eyeing right now? Before I had just, I was looking at West Hill. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't say I like a lot going on. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I like the choices that we've made. Yeah. But where we've opened, it's like, you know, my brother, when we opened in Calabasas, uh, originally he wanted to do a food truck, but it's just better to have a freestanding store. It really is just because sometimes they have so many rules and regulations. You can put a food truck here from so many hours and this and that. And you spend the money in the gas and then this. And then it's like it's constantly driving. Well, and that's a tight situation, too. Yeah. I, the guys that do food trucks, like, this is cool to experiment, I imagine. But to actually do it every single day and continue to do it seems taxing. It's exhausting when you think about it. I mean, it's different if you post up in the same place every day. Yeah. But it's nice to have something where you don't have to worry about driving. Then you have then you have staff until you get the staff driving and something happened, God forbid, you know? You also can't park those. We can only park those in certain places. What's it like to get a liquor license in Chicago? It's it's a process. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of places they don't they don't allow you to have it just because mm-hmm. of like zoning. Then they have to they have to, you know, send out uh letters to the to to people who live in the area saying, you know, are you against it? Some people they don't want liquor licenses in areas because they associate it with the gate. There's going to be, like, fighting. There's going to be, like, a lot of noise, this and that. It could be problems. But people were for it. How long did that process take? Took about a, took maybe, like, eight months. Once again. That doesn't seem bad. Do you just file paperwork? Do you have to hire an attorney? What? Yeah, everything. everything. Hire an attorney, paperwork, and you, you apply for it prior to opening, too, just to get the, the ball rolling. Once you get the license and get everything, you just get it going right away. Are there X amount of licenses that they're able to hand out? Is there a cap number? That I, that I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Do you guys serve liquor and beer and wine? So all liquor, beer, wine, cocktails, happy hour. If someone wanted to come here, what do you recommend they order? Cubano. Cubano. Yeah. All or, or ham, pickle, Swiss cheese, and mustard. Uh, it's, I mean, it's our number one. So I always tell people if you've never been here, Cubano is the way to go. Okay. You know, what's funny to me is all those ingredients are fairly simple, right? But I've never had one Fugano that tasted the same in any place. Yeah. They're all different. How do you differentiate? How do you make that special sound? The mojo. The mojo. The mojo. That's what. Mojo is sour orange, fresh garlic, Cuban spices. It's a marinade. It's what you marinate the fork in, then you roast it. And then when we're cooking the pork on the grill, uh-huh. we put more mojo on it. And it gives it, makes it juicy. It doesn't make it dry out. Okay. And everyone has their own recipe for it. That's why it's different everywhere. That's why it's different everywhere. Nobody has the same recipe for it. It's everyone's take on it. It's traditional, but people have their own take. What do they add in there? What do they do? And that's what what separates it. Nice. Michael, thanks thanks for doing this. Yeah. It was lots of fun. I'm so glad to do this in this formal setting. You and I have seen each other for years. Yeah. I've never got to do anything like this. Yeah, man. It's, it's nice. I, thanks for thinking of us. And uh, I, I appreciate everything. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, man. Thanks.